pray with me? Heavenly Father, your word is a, a two-edged sword. It brings discernment and conviction of sin, and it brings the announcement of the gospel. I pray that your word would do its work in our hearts this morning, as each has need. In your name we pray, amen. When I was in first grade, <clears throat> um, I had to walk to school. School was close by. It was across the street, basically. But um, when, when I was in first grade, we had these terrible things called rubber boots. Did you have rubber boots when you were a kid? You, you wouldn't know them if you were old. <laughs> and uh, I remember my mom uh, struggling with me to get cram these rubber boots on over my shoes. That's what I remember. She had good intentions. She was being a good mother because it was raining or snowing, and it was good for me to get to school with dry feet. Uh, however, uh, in that moment of struggle, it did not feel either good or necessary. And uh, I remember just somehow in this struggle of, of getting those rubber boots on over my shoes, and it, it was a very unpleasant memory, not the memory of my mother, but of those rubber boots. And... Uh, uh, friends, this is a hard parable this morning. But essentially what it boils down to is God is trying to dress you the right way and you're struggling against him. God will not have you in improper clothing. And our response to this parable today is to allow the Lord to speak directly to our hearts to discern where it is that we resist being properly clothed. So let's look at this parable together and let's see here what is happening, what is going on. First of all, there's an invitation. Basically what the theme here God is saying is, I invited you and you were not willing to come. I invited you and you were not willing to be my guest. I'm your host I'm offering you a celebration, and you did not want to be at the party. Here, God is compared to a king, <clears throat> a common comparison. And, uh, and he's throwing a wedding celebration for his son, the happiest of occasions. And he wants nothing more than that people would delight in what he delights in, that his people would join in a celebration of love for his son. It was all good. The invitations were given, and they were given again. And still, the guests would not come. Some paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, the other to his business. They were just completely disinterested. They did not care. Oh, some cared very much because they were covetous and they were rebellious and they were threatened. And so they beat and they murdered the messengers. And so God, the king, says to his servants, these guests were unworthy. What makes them unworthy? What makes them unworthy is that they did not care what God cares about. There's a huge disconnect. God, the king, is throwing a celebration party. These unworthy guests could care less. That's why they were not worthy guests. Worthy guests, by definition, are not guests who could care less. In fact, they attempted to undermine the Father's celebration, and there were consequences. 
especially for the rebellious who, uh, who brought violence against the servants. This is an, a direct uh, implication of Israel's leaders. Their city was taken away. Their establishment was brought to an end. This is part one of the parable. But there's a second part. God will have his guests. God will not throw a party and have no guests. So he says, okay, let's try this again. I want you to go out and I want you to expand the invitation list. All right, we're going to go out and we're just going to bring in everybody. Thank God. That's you and me. And so the servants go out and they bring everybody they can find, even good and bad. This is a common feature. You'll find this often in parables. If you know your parables, I'll just remind you, you know, there is the wheat and the tares, the weeds. There's the good fish and the bad fish, the sheep and the goats. This is part of Jesus' prophetic ministry is to bring discernment because you can't always tell. And these parables are meant in God's mercy to take the covers off and to show what's really happening because to pretend otherwise would be no help to anybody. So God, the king, does this again. Everything's ready, he says. The feast is prepared. It's time to expand the guest list. The guests come in, both good and bad. And now the story narrows from these great groups of people to this one individual. This one man who has no wedding garment. And so he was questioned. He was speechless. And he was cast into the outer darkness. And he was called, but he was not chosen. How are we to understand this? Does this seem unfair? It's not. I'll explain why. First of all, let's remember the good news of this parable. It does not matter whether you are rich or healthy, or a part of the church leadership, or whether you feel prepared, or whether you're clean, or whether you're successful, or whether you have the right clothes on, or whether you know what's going on. It doesn't matter. You are invited. Anything else is an excuse. If there is something that raises up in your heart that says, I'm not invited, that is the enemy and it's your own sin. There's a certain part of all of us that want to shift the blame and they want to say, I'm not invited. God, you did not treat me fairly. And that's not God. When we feel uninvited, it's sin that needs to be repented of and it's also a matter of discernment to discover why do I feel this way? God has an answer for you, friend. If you feel uninvited, the proclamation of the good news is that you are invited. And in fact, God has taken away every reason for you to feel differently. He loves you passionately. He gives the invitation not once, not twice, but again and again so that you will feel invited regardless of any obstacle that you perceive. It matters not. What matters is only one thing, and that you are properly clothed. And here's another good message to keep in mind. Your own clothes are worthless at this party. Your own clothes don't get you in. Your own clothes don't keep you in. 
The movement of this parable is not the guest who says, look at me and look at my clothes. The worthy guest is the one who says, look at the sun. He's awesome. What a great party. The one who looks at their own clothes is looking in the wrong direction. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. God so loved the world that he gave his own son. He's not inviting those who have their own wedding garments. The prophet Isaiah says, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Best just to fess up to it. Paul says in his letter to Titus, it's not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration. Do you remember those baptismal robes? These robes that we wear are symbols of that. All of us could be wearing robes here. It's not just because I'm a priest. We're all clothed in white. That robe was not one we brought to us to our baptism. It's one that was put on us. That's what Paul is saying. It's not because of works, not because of our own righteousness, which is like filthy rags, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the proper clothing. That's what God is struggling to put on you that you're resisting. God is providing the clothes himself He has been determined since the very beginning to clothe his people. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned and were ashamed? What did God do? He clothed them. He covered their shame. And he's been clothing his people ever since. And in that final day, he will clothe us with such beauty that we will look back on this time and we will, it will blow our minds to see what God was struggling to do. He's been clothing us from the very beginning to cover our shame, to make us beautiful, to make us clean, to dress us, as Isaiah says, in garments of praise. Here's what Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, this is Jesus, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. The Lord will have his guests The king will celebrate his son. He will make his people beautiful. He's clothing you. So my first appeal to you is this in this parable. Have you accepted the invitation? Have you accepted the invitation? Do you feel a great deal of resistance to it? Are you afraid of it? Can you believe it? Accept the invitation what you're being invited into is a party. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, says the Apostle Paul, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for he bestows or clothes us with his riches 
on all who call upon him. Have you said yes? Have you accepted the invitation? This whole parable turns on one point, and it's the son. Jesus is the center of this parable. What distinguishes one guest from another is whether they really care about him, whether they celebrate him, whether they join the celebration and are enclosed with that praise. That's the difference. He's the center around which everything turns. Now, we're already here at this celebration. We've come from various entry points. Some of us have been a part of this thing for a long time. Others have just joining. Others may feel very well prepared, others not so prepared. There are those who are familiar with the host and those who are just getting acclimated and those who are well prepared and those who hardly feel prepared. What separates the worthy guest from the unworthy guest is only this, that they love the son and they celebrate the wedding. Everything else that matters flows from that. So here's the wrong interpretation of this poor guy. Here's, the, here's how we might look at it. Oh, this poor guy, he's without blame. It wasn't his, you know, he was just standing there and got invited to this party. It's not his fault he was invited at the last minute and wasn't prepared. He was just doing that what he was told. You know, the problem is with, is with the king and with the kind of quality of this invitation. What kind of party is this? That's not, that's not what's going on here. The king provided everything that was needed The problem wasn't that the king required something from this poor man that he couldn't produce. The king himself provided the garments. This man was not clothed because he had no interest in the sun or any connection to the celebration. He wasn't clueless. He was disinterested, just like the first ones who were invited. He was probably sitting there looking at his smartphone, scrolling through his memes and Snapchat, and he's kind of checked out. He just didn't care. Brothers and sisters, God will not have such indifference to his will without great consequence. It's just the truth. The king is patient. He's loving. He's kind. The Bible says that God's goodness leads us to repentance. But he will not be ignored. He will not be dismissed He will not be casually put to the side without great consequence and peril. He's the most loving person ever, but he will not be be ignored. For those of you who like the Chronicles of Narnia, he's the Aslan the lion. What better portrayal of the lion, someone so amazing so beloved, but not someone to be ignored. So we might say, I'm not ready. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's ready. (laughs) You might say, I'm not clean. Exactly. Yeah, nobody's clean. That's not going to keep you from the party. What keeps you from the party is when you say things like, look, I've got my own agenda here. I've got my own demands. I've got a complaint, actually. Right, so I've got my own thing going on here, King, and uh, thanks for the invitation. What you're saying is this. What you're saying is, look, 
I prefer my own garments. This is just the way that I dress. This is just the way that I am. Don't prefer your own garments. Prefer his garments. God's will is for you to be fully clothed, robust, vibrant, strong. Remember, you're not being invited to the chain gang. You're being invited to a wedding feast. That's what God wants for you. And what you are wanting for yourself is more like the chain gang. And if you accept the invitation, you will be fully clothed, robust, vibrant, strong, forgiven, set free, given eternal life, bread from heaven, waters rising up within you from the Holy Spirit that will never run dry. But not by refusing the clothing fit for the celebration that God has in mind for you. God is calling us to respond to this parable with a commitment not to resist the work of the Holy Spirit within us. That's the call of this sermon. Not fear, not shame, not condemnation, just the acceptance of the invitation to let the Holy Spirit clothe you. Remember what Paul says to Titus, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and good lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's training us. In other words, God is saying, stop resisting me when I'm trying to put your clothes on. Those rubber boots had a purpose. But thank God, rubber boots is a pair of comparison to the beauty of a garment that God wants to adorn us with. Don't be like the unprepared, undressed man at the banquet who was not participating in the celebration. Say yes. You know why we can do that is because God is good. God is good. God is faithful that godly conviction of sin that works within us, that's not condemnation, that's conviction for our own good. And often it comes against these sorts of things when, when it's working within us. It's when we insist on doing the same things that lead to our destructive behavior. Are you one of those who does that? Refusing to change bad habits? And, and God might be convicting you to say, look, do something different. That's the Holy Spirit training you saying, I'm putting a garment on you and this thing doesn't belong. We insist on doing things the same way that lead to destructive behavior. If you're doing things that lead to destructive behavior, stop doing it. That's uh, fighting against the Holy Spirit. It's resisting. Here's a good one. We hold on to our complaints and our criticisms. Don't we just love to blame other people? We just love to put on other people the thing that's bugging us rather than take responsibility for ourselves. That's resisting the garment that God is putting on you to complain and to blame other people. It's a critical spirit. It's an excuse for my own bad behavior. Remember at the very beginning we talked about, you know, the excuses for not entering into the party. Sometimes we resist by, we, develop, we don't develop relationships with other believers. 
We just isolate ourselves. We don't want the accountability. We don't want the vulnerability. We don't want to be a part of what's going on. If we're a part of what's going on, then we can't hold ourselves aloof and justify ourselves. Maybe other people may have a point. Maybe they're better than we think they are. Maybe I need to let down my guard a little bit. Maybe I need to learn how to be honest and vulnerable too. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might be uh, speaking to us about that. Here's one I struggle with a lot is the ruts of my thinking. I have very deep furrows in my mind. They're, 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 they're thoughts that, that are depressing thoughts and, and they're, they're, they're thoughts of criticism and blame and regret and I just keep going over them and over them and over them and over them and I think that somehow by my thinking I'm going to work myself out of it. But all I'm doing is going deeper and deeper and deeper. God says, get out of that rut. Stop thinking those things. I, I know this is very blunt and it's very straightforward, but I just want the Holy Spirit to be working in you to set you free from these things. God's will is not that I wake up every day with a rut of regret and remorse and criticism. That's not God's will. And when I lie in bed and I just keep going over and over and over in my head, I'm being disobedient. I have to confess that. The Lord is not requiring me to go over and over and over things that, that, that are contradictions to his will for me. Do you have ruts like that in your mind? Repent of them and replace them. Much better to wake up praising God for his grace and glory than blaming somebody or going over and over and over some argument. That's my struggle. I don't want to live in ruts. I want to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I want to experience his truth. I want to be set free from my own mental problem. We all have these things, friends. And all we need to do is say yes to the invitation to let God clothe us. Don't resist. Why do we resist? We resist oftentimes because we're ashamed of ourselves. We just can't bear up under the shame. God understands that. He clothed Adam and Eve. He cared for them. He understands what it's like to feel deep shame for things that we've said and done. He clothes us. Maybe we've never really had an experience of Jesus' love. Maybe sometimes that's why we hold ourselves back a little bit. We're not so interested in the wedding party because we don't really know the son very well. Maybe we're very afraid of change. I can be very afraid of change. It's hard to say it, but sometimes I just prefer my own clothes. I just don't want to take them off. They're the clothes that I'm used to. They're the clothes that feel comfortable. They've come to feel comfortable. Of course, they're not very comfortable, but they're just familiar. And when the Lord says, look, by my mercy and grace, I'm going to start to take those clothes off. I'm going to cast them aside for something so much better. The Lord understands that maybe sometimes we're afraid of change. Maybe we're depressed or sad or despairing because things just didn't work out. We tried this before and it just didn't work and it's too painful to think about and I just can't hope for change anymore. Maybe we feel very weak. Just like, look, I just don't have the strength to even think about this. Friends, God is not giving us an invitation to self-help. God is not trying to install in us all kinds of techniques that you can go to the self-help section and read all about. 
This is not about being better or about invoking techniques that you can check off and do better things. It's not an invitation to self-help, but a challenge to us to trust Christ and let him do his work. Trust Christ and obey. That's what it means to be invited and to receive the invitation. There are all kinds of excuses By that, I don't mean that the antidote is to raise ourselves up in our own strength. That's not the gospel. We cannot help ourselves, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can obey. It is not God's will for you and for me who have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ to live our life here on earth ashamed, afraid, depressed, weak, unmotivated, and shackled. It's not God's will. Remember that it is God that is clothing you, who is covering you, who strengthens you, who forgives you, who confers upon you dignity, who gives you reason to hope, who in fact, Paul says, lives within you. God does not expect you to bring your own garment. Just leave it aside. He wants you to trust him and yield to his touch as soon as you discern it you know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You can sense it, and he's going to give you the strength to obey, and he's going to lead you out of those dirty garments, and he's going to clothe you with his own righteousness. How do you resist your own resistance? Express your trust in Christ. Feel it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Say, I trust Christ. Say it to yourself and say it to somebody else and have somebody else say it to you. That's why this liturgy thing is important. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Yes. Say it like that when you say it. Christ has died. Christ, Christ will come again. That's not the point. The point was like, check that box. <laughs> say it over your own life. Say it with your mouth. He's the alpha and omega. That means he's the beginning of your journey and he's also the end. You never grow out of Jesus. You never say, oh, I'm done with that part. Now I just gotta work harder. He's everything in between. He's the reason for the celebration. Turn to him all the time, all the time. All the time turn to Jesus. Confess your sins. Don't hide or pretend that they don't exist. Everybody here has sins they're embarrassed about, myself included. Don't pretend. Confess and be set free. Hear the word of of forgiveness. John says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a great verse? Obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit quickly. Don't procrastinate. And we all do, right? This isn't a word of condemnation. It's just an exhortation. When you hear the Holy Spirit, obey him quickly. Turn off the phone. Turn off the computer. Shut it down. Turn away. Shut your mouth. Don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) You know, The Holy Spirit is speaking to you about those things. Obey him quickly and save yourself a lot of trouble. 
receive the love of Christ in which you're clothed. This is the hardest part, to receive. How do you receive? There are lots of different ways. Praise him. Say things like, Jesus, I adore you. I praise you. I worship you. I give you thanks. Give thanks all the time. Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. It's one way of receiving. Of course, receive from a brother and sister. Receive the bread and the wine. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. It's the shape of our liturgy every Sunday to do it this way. Our hearts are open. We confess our sins and we hear forgiveness. We hear the word preached. We share the peace. We celebrate the Eucharist. We move from outside the party to the very center of the celebration. Oh, enter into that. This isn't about being a better Christian or being a perfect Christian or being a good person. Forget all that. This is about letting the image of Christ be formed in you. It's about letting the Holy Spirit set you free from sin. It's about letting God clothe you with his own glory. You were meant to be clothed. Don't resist. Let the Lord clothe you with his own righteousness and you will experience the joy that the Father has for the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is your call and your destiny. Amen.